what it was, it was disappointing. You know, it's like, gosh, we were having such a good time. And now you're not going to remember this conversation. You know, we're having such a good time. And now anything I say to you is going in one ear and out the other. And it's not going to matter tomorrow because you have no idea what the heck I'm saying. Or like, I would realize like, I really wasn't a better dancer. I just thought I was, I really (laughs) wasn't, (laughs) I really wasn't funnier. I just thought it was. And you know what, even if I was funnier, it doesn't matter. The next day I wouldn't have remembered the joke. So, you know, what does that matter? Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. So I have a frog in my throat today, but I talk a lot less on this podcast and it was a good thing because I have brought back one of my best friends, Candace Karakart, who is the co-owner of Prescription Wellness. And we're going to talk about something that so many people have been talking about lately. And maybe it's just because I'm focusing in on it, but that is sobriety. So if you are someone who is interested in this and maybe you've never even thought of it because I'll be honest with you guys and I'll tell you today on the podcast like I've never really started thinking about this before I was doing 75 hard I've never really had an issue with alcohol it's never been something I've even thought about I never knew so many of the things about alcohol so I would really encourage you to listen to today's podcast I'm not telling you to do anything I'm just telling you to listen to it and be curious my girlfriend Candace has all of the information that you can possibly need. And we have linked so many things in the show notes. And please tell us, have you ever thought about being curiously sober? Okay, you guys. So I have one of my best friends of all time. She's been on the podcast so many times already because she's just like one of the greatest humans of all time. Um, Candace from Prescription Wellness, we are bringing her back because she and I were talking and you met, I think you messaged me and said, why don't we talk about sobriety? Because it's something you're super, super passionate about. And when you told me that I was like, fuck yes, like a hundred percent. Like I definitely don't have an issue with alcohol. I've never really cared about alcohol, but I know you've never actually had an issue with alcohol. You've just chosen to be sober for, it's been over four years now, which is crazy. I remember you and I were in Miami when you first started and you're like, oh, I'm just taking like a siesta basically from alcohol. But over the last few months, it's been so crazy. I've had so many people tell me that they have gone really long extended periods of time choosing to be sober, not because they had a problem, but just because it became like a thing that everyone did and they knew they weren't feeling well when they were doing it and just all the things. But like, I don't, Michelle wasn't a part of your, your retreat. Candace has been to one of my retreats, but Michelle McCracken, she's all over social media saying that she's done it. A woman who's coming to my retreat next week, even though when, by the time that this comes out, the retreat will be over she chose to be sober for a few years. So I just think that this is so important for us to talk about. So basically, since I have a frog in my throat today, I'm going to basically let you talk about all the fucking things and I'm here for it. So (laughs) let's start with the beginning of your journey. I know you've talked about this on, you know, numerous publications and all the things, but you take it from here because I know everyone's going to be super interested about this podcast. It's been so interesting, Christina, the, um, the choice to, uh, be alcohol free. And for some people, for some people, nuance is important. So they say I'm in recovery and it's important for them that they identify that they're in recovery or they say I'm sober or that I'm uh, sober curious or I'm dry. And for me, I, I, you know, I, for me personally, the, the words that I choose to use are not important um, except for helping people understand 
why I made the choice and give them space and hold space for them to consider the choice for themselves or to, for them to fully consider the ramifications and, you know, why somebody would make this choice, maybe for a loved one, because it's very interesting. I would never have thought, I mean, if you would have said a couple decades ago to anybody that it would be a common thing for people to talk openly about sobriety, it just wasn't done. I mean, what the only thing that you would have would be uh, like a medical recovery center, which would, you know, those things are incredibly expensive. They're really cost prohibitive and logistics prohibitive for most people. Um, unless you're in a major crisis situation that, you know, that justifies that or Alcoholics Anonymous, which is an incredible organization. Um, but there is a stigma attached that you have to be what? An alcoholic, right? So nobody wants to call themselves an alcoholic or identify as that. Um, and by the way, interesting, did you know that an alcoholic is not even a medical term? There's no such thing as an alcoholic. Really? That doesn't exist. That is a colloquial term that people use to describe somebody who is out of control with alcohol or is um, maybe the, in their mind is addicted to alcohol or is living under a bridge with a bottle in their hand. Um, there is, from a medical perspective, is, it is called alcohol use disorder. And um, the, the medical community grades it based on, I think there's like 11 different screening questions you can ask yourself. Um, and I'll, you know what, I'll send you that Christina. So you can put it in the show notes in case yeah, there, may, there may be people who would like to consider it for themselves or to share it with somebody who they love. Um, my number was five, maybe five and a half. Um, so I would have out of 10 out of 10 out of 11 out of 11. Okay. So I would have fallen in the moderate alcohol use disorder category for me. What that looked like was is different than what it might look like for somebody else, because it really just depends on which of these questions are you answering yes to. Um, so a little bit about me, I have four children. Um, they are ages. I have twins who are nine, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And when I stopped, when I made the choice to stop drinking, it was four and a half years ago. And alcohol has always been, uh, has not served me. And I've always known it. Um, it has been one of those things that I didn't know this wasn't normal, by the way, to when I, the second I start drinking, I was bargaining with myself. How many drinks am I going to have? Okay. I'm just going to have, I'm only going to have one. But what happens is I start having a good time. Next you have two, next you have three. And I think most people can relate to that, um, happening occasionally for me. It was, it was every time I had a drink in my hand. Um, so the, the alcohol itself was the trigger. Um, interesting. They, researchers now can see the people who, um, depending on how you act when you, when you have alcohol, I mean, even like when you're at college age, they can identify early who is likely to have struggles with uh, alcohol in their life. So alcohol is what a depressant. So we yeah, all know, you know what? I don't know if everyone knows that. When I was having this conversation with my girlfriend, Lauren, who was telling, like, we were talking about this on a walk one day and I had no clue about any of this. Like she gave me a ton of information on alcohol and why she chose to be sober for a few years. And like, there's a book actually, I think it's called choosing sobriety or choosing alcohol. I'll find the book here in a second while you're talking, but mm -hmm. I didn't know alcohol was a depressant. I guess I'm an idiot, but maybe people listening to this podcast didn't realize that because the minute I think of alcohol, I think of people having a really great time. But she told me that like you drink alcohol, your body releases these hormones in your body to try to like pep you back up because it's a depressant. And then by the time you have two or three drinks, and maybe you're going to tell us something different, but by the time you have a few more drinks, you run out of that hormone because your body has been trying to pep you back up because alcohol is a depressant. I right. didn't know that. Yeah. I had no clue. That's right. And depending on how you metabolize alcohol, you may not go into that depressive state. So for their, for the people who, you know, who immediately go into party guy mode <laughs> when they, when they start drinking is, and for me, I was extremely hyper. So when I would start drinking, I would go, I would be very, very hyper, very like up. And, um, I've learned a couple things about that. One is it's the way my body metabolizes alcohol. 
um, which is it's I because I have ADHD, my my reward pathways are are different. And women are extremely um, underdiagnosed with ADD and ADHD. So so many times we don't realize that our reward pathways are um, crossed, you know, or are are not like aligned how they should be. Um, so uh, also the I oh gosh, what was, you just said something I wanted to. The book is called The Alcohol Experiment. Have you heard of it? Mm -mm. No, there's a lot of really awesome books. You should link it though, just for a starting point. Yeah, I will. I for sure will. Um, Alcohol Experiment book. Yeah. So, so I had four kids and, you know, I, my, my spouse does not drink and has never, and has never ever been drunk. He's never, he's never had a full drink. Um, So alcohol was always sort of a sticky, a sticking point in our relationship. Um. I, you know, I think probably a lot of women listening to this or maybe people listening to this can imagine, like, I didn't want to stop just because my spouse, my spouse didn't do it. That felt like not good, right? We're independent people, (laughs) but, um, so anyway, so that was problematic when I drank, I had a very hard time, uh, turning it off and my two things happened sort of simultaneously. One, it was Christmas time. And I was sitting with my preschool daughter in circle time uh, in the morning. We're seeing, we're seeing Christmas carols and passing around pastries. And I was balancing her on my lap and I was trying so hard not to vomit because I still felt drunk from the night before it'd been a Christmas party. Um, I could smell the alcohol on me. And I was, think, I was so embarrassed. Like this teacher's going <laughs> to child protective services. Um, and I was looking around thinking like this, you know, is this normal? You know, there were other people who were at the party that were in the room. And, um, at the same time, I discovered the hashtag, uh, sober curious, which was, uh, really a turning point for me because, um, in my head, there's like this connotation with stopping alcohol. Why would you stop? Well, that must mean you have a problem, right? Yeah, totally. That's immediately what I think. Why else would you stop? You must be an alcoholic. And that's the first question people either ask in their mind or ask me directly if when they find out I don't drink and I don't mind because uh, I don't identify as being an alcoholic. Um, Because you're confident though. Like this whole podcast is confidence. Like let's be fucking real. It's because you're confident in who you are. Yeah. I mean, and I was very confident in my decision, you know, once I decided to make it um, and move, you know, faith in action. Um, So I discover this hashtag and you know, you have it, how you got kind of go down the rabbit hole. So I'm discovering these people who look like me, they have families like me, they are people I'd probably hang out with and they're sharing all these awesome benefits that they had from stopping alcohol and sober, sober curious. I think that's even maybe a book. Um, but the hashtag, it, you know, through that, I learned that sober curiosity is not necessarily a lifelong choice of deciding to be, of deciding to abstain from alcohol, but it is, um, allowing yourself the space to see what it would be like to experience life without alcohol. So I thought, you know, that felt kind of safe, right? Didn't feel like I had to quit make, forever. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't jumping off of a, of like a building. I was more like just take like paragliding. I was going to land. It was going to be fine. And I, and I made the decision in April of 2018 to give it a try. And what I did was every time I was faced with a opportunity, opportunity to drink, I just decided that that's not who I was. I wasn't somebody who drank alcohol and, um, I shifted my identity and the way I thought of myself. And it was probably harder for my friends than it was for me. It was a little hard for me. I mean, imagine, you know, like you have to really kind of re-understand, like completely, I don't know, like readjust your perspective on how you understand social situations. Um, go, I mean, I live in Miami. Alcohol is like a cornerstone for every, out, you know, for every outing, no matter what age you are. Um, so we'd be out dancing or be at parties and, um, it was a weird shift, but what I found, oh my gosh, this is so crazy to say this. Um, and this is not to make anybody feel insecure who is still drinking, but I found that I, it was a little annoying to be around people who were really kind of becoming progressively more intoxicated through the night. And I feel like that all the time. Cause I'm I hardly, I'm hardly a drinker. Yeah. You hardly drink. 
I feel like that's so annoying. Like, I think that like a hundred percent, like I, I will literally stop myself after about two drinks usually because like, I just don't need it anymore. I just don't care. Like I have zero desire. Like alcohol doesn't really do anything for me. And I have no desire to like feel bad. However, like I will say in the last couple of years, I've definitely drank more um, than I ever have. Like I always like, will have like Prosecco after, you know, after golf with the guys, or I'll have one on the weekends or whatever, but like, I will never, ever, ever get drunk because I just have zero desire to feel like that. And I'll, yeah. like, I just want to stop. Like it, it doesn't make me feel, and I almost like don't even get tipsy because I don't even drink to that point. But I will tell you, it's a hundred percent annoying before 75 hard. Nathan drinks a lot, like not a lot, but he drinks a lot. And like when he gets annoying on the weekends after, you know, six or seven beers at a football game, I find it super fucking annoying. Like I find a lot of people annoying when they drink too much. It's, 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 you know, the thing about it is, um, I guess just to explore like the word annoying a little bit too, because it is, it was what it was, it was disappointing. You know, it's like, gosh, we were having such a good time. And now you're not going to remember this conversation. You know, we're having such a good time. And now anything I say to you is going in one ear and out the other. And it's not going to matter tomorrow because you have no idea what the heck I'm saying. Or like, I would realize like, I really wasn't a better dancer. I just thought I was, I really (laughs) wasn't, (laughs) I really wasn't funnier. I just thought it was. And you know what? Even if I was funnier, it doesn't matter. The next day I wouldn't have remembered the joke. So, you know, what does that matter? Um, and it became to me where I, it, it reinforced, um, my values, which is that I, I want to live a life of substance. You know, I, I don't want to live a life, not substance, like substance, like abuse. <laughs> I want to live a life of meaning, right? I want to have a life that has impact. And when you're feeling like crap the next day, um, you are slower. Maybe you don't go to the gym. Maybe you're not as on point for that meeting. Um, maybe you are. There's a lot of people who function just fine. The question is, for what? You know, what 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 value does it bring? And there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to um, when it comes to setting aside alcohol. And I, I kind of want to touch on some of those because I think it's super important. The first one we already talked about, which was you don't have to have a problem with alcohol for alcohol to be a problem. So it's, it's a, it's a healthy choice. I think for every adult, I would argue, and I think research supports to take a time of being dry and really cons- and allowing yourself to be in, in situations that normally you would drink and really evaluate how that feels and do it, a, do it a few times. Don't just do it the first time. Cause that hurts. <laughs> um, you know, that one's not fun. I do want you to touch on, obviously, you know, you're the co-owner of prescription wellness. You guys are definitely, you know, a holistic natural based health company, health and wellness company. So I would love for you to touch on actually what alcohol does. Cause I honestly, and like, maybe this is just my ignorance because I haven't really paid a ton of attention to alcohol my whole life. Tell us what is actually like the issues with alcohol, because Again, I didn't even know that it was a depressant, whether you think I'm an idiot or not. I just didn't fucking know. So what are the things? And I will say all of this feels so true because during Nathan's 75 days of no alcohol, he is actually like, you've hit on a few of those points. He would have never have told you. And I don't think he has a problem with alcohol. He just chooses alcohol. But when he wasn't choosing alcohol for 75 days, he was sleeping better. He wasn't snoring anymore. He didn't have like a hangover on a Monday or a Sunday. You know, there were certain things that did change and he will, he said it on our podcast. If you guys go back and listen to the 75 hard podcast, you will hear him say that those things did change when he wasn't drinking alcohol. So tell us like, what are the actual like medical holistic health, you know, detriments, I guess, if you want to use that word to alcohol. Well, you know, there's a lot and it's not the misconception there is that it's only if you're drinking in great excess, what research tells us is if you're, is that if you are drinking, um, couple drinks a day, that's too much. And it's funny because, you know, big alcohol, we'll call it, you know, um, for, for lack of a better, uh, conspiracy theory word, um, <laughs> that has like billions of dollars, you know, pumped into, 
um, convincing us that wine is good for our health. It's wine is not good for your health. There is wine is not. And that is a black and white statement. Black and wine is not good for your health. Um, and there's a ton of research to support that. So if somebody's really curious, um, you can reach out to me directly. I'll send, I'll send them some information on that. Um, if you have a glass of wine, it's okay. It's not, you know, there's, there, there may not be a, a negative impact on your health, but, but it's not a benefit to drinking one glass of red wine a day. No, okay, perfect. Um, and it, there's a, there's a lot of complex pathways, about why that is, um, so yeah, grapes have antioxidants. So eat some grapes. <laughs> do you know how many, do you know how many, how much wine you'd have to have to actually get the, the antioxidant benefit and that, in that point, you know, you're, you know, going into alcohol toxicity. So I like your, I like that question, Christina. Um, I think the first thing I would say is it's important to know that this is not only when you're drinking, like in a lot of excess that, um, the reason a lot of people come to work with Beth Ann and I, um, where we, where we really specialize, it's helping women with anxiety, helping women with burnout, um, and helping women to, you know, cre- uh, to rewire their dopamine pathways, helping women to reorganize their lives in a way that supports themselves to overcome, um, limiting beliefs, um, and to, you know, to work on their nutrition, their exercise. So it's really like, it truly is like a kind of A to Z wellness um, approach, all rooted in functional medicine. Now that said, the real reason people call me a lot of times is because they want to lose weight. So there's all these other benefits, but what, what we focus on sometimes is the weight No. So weight is just a symptom of whatever else is happening in your life. Weight is not the weight is not the problem. It's really just like the, all it is, the, it's like the tip of the iceberg that you see over the ocean, what the things that need to be addressed are everything underneath that. And if you are somebody who does have a problem with, we'll say a few stubborn pounds or, um, it's not sleeping well at night. Um, alcohol is incredibly important in your, in your body's ability to metabolize whatever it is you're taking in. So alcohol is a toxin. So if you are drinking alcohol, even one glass, two glasses, three glasses, whatever you might have, um, your body will not metabolize anything is, is your body is not working on burning anything else until it completely gets rid of that alcohol, because it, that becomes priority. Number one is getting that out of your system. So for somebody who likes to have, especially that late night glass before you go to bed to wind down, um, I would encourage you to, to, to minimize that, to replace it with a tea. Um, and you are, you will see a difference in, in your ability to, to release that extra weight. Um, and it's not just weight, it's inflammation because that really is what's happening a lot of times with alcohol intake. Um, alcohol kills brain cells. And once your brain cells are dead, they do not come back. They are gone. Um, bye-bye. So we, and we, I need all the fucking brain cells like, I can keep. Like, let's me? be honest. Yeah. I need all of the cells so we cannot have those. Please. No. Did you hear me say I have four children? Like, oh, exactly. You have four children. <laughs> I have like 97 clients and like all I, of them. I cannot, oh, I cannot keep up. Um, so and think about, so you, you did 75 hard. You saw Nathan do it. You've seen other friends do it. I'm sure like the change in people's skin, look at, look under their oh eyes. A hundred percent Nathan's skin. It was dramatic. And my client who I was telling you about Michelle, who said that she's now sober curious for the last six months, her and her boyfriend stopped. She's done a whole like, um, stories on it. It's on her Instagram and all the things the t- photos before and after she posted were like night and day, like, and that's where you saw it was in their face. And even Nathan's face was like, obviously like with his beard coming off and losing all the weight that he lost, but his skin was just flawless. When yeah. Stopped I mean, you, you see, you see it here under the eyes, you see yeah. it in, the, in, you see it in the whites of your, of your eyes. Um, so, so that that's, I think if I were to say, cause I mean, this podcast can only be so long. And I would, if we're going to talk about the health, you know, the real health detriment, um, I would emphasize your ability to, to maintain a healthy weight, um, your ability to have a good restful sleep. Um, you really right, should have about five sleep cycles a night, which are on average an hour and a half. Um, your sleep is so, um, is such an interruption to your sleep cycles that we have a very hard time transitioning well between those sleep cycles. So people say, 
you know, you hear a lot of times get seven hours of sleep, seven and a half hours of sleep. What, what that's based on is five hour and a half um, sleep cycles. Now, how much sleep you actually need to have. In other words, like from the time you close your eyes at night until when you wake up in the morning, it depends on how, how efficiently you transition between your sleep cycles. So that is where everybody's a little bit different. Um, and there's so much you can do to support that with your nutrition, with your um, daily habits, um, with your nighttime routine more than anything else, I would say. So, um, having that alcohol at night is going to greatly disrupt your sleep, which, which shreds your metabolism. Um, it affects your efficiency the next day. You're in a deficit with your energy. You feel like you need to pick me up. You feel like you want some comfort. So what do you do? You might reach for another glass of wine the next night. So it becomes a cycle. Um, you know, for me, I had, I'm not really big on, uh, I mentioned earlier, like the nuance of the words is for me, not that important for some people. It is, I would say probably I had undiagnosed, um, uh, social anxiety for a lot of my life and, um, alcohol is a well-known lubricant for social situations. The, the irony is that, is that alcohol has a well, well-documented, horrible effect on our anxiety. It takes us. So there's a lot, there's a lot of metabolic reasons for that, but, um, it's, it's so interesting because we reach for the bottle, but it actually makes us, um, more anxious overall. And they've done studies. And this is kind of funny actually, where they gave groups of people, like large groups of people, um, alcohol, but it was placebo. There was no alcohol. The participant thought it was alcohol. They were in a party situation and everybody acting drunk, acting like they were getting buzzed, relax. Why? Because it's really just the placebo effect. So for myself, and what I would encourage somebody else to do is to know yourself and know that sometimes like just having a, a like a non-alcoholic cocktail in your hat, in your hand, something else, um, for like that, like hand to mouth, thing that we have. Totally, to I totally agree with that. Hey y'all, it's Christina. So you hear on this podcast a lot, be talking about my clients. Well, I'm obsessed with what I get to do. Let me just say it. I'm the best at what I get to do. I am 100% the best coach that you will find. I am so passionate about helping you gain the confidence to live a life that you're obsessed with and make a fuck ton of money doing it. You guys, one-on-one -on -one coaching is my specialty. It's what I do fantastically. It's the reason why I've been sold out for such a long period of time. In 2023, I am going to bring on one, maybe two new one-on-one -on -one clients. In order to get the opportunity to have one of those spaces, you have to be on my one-on-one -on -one coaching wait list. If this is something that you think that you'd be interested in or excited for, get your name on the one-on-one -on -one coaching wait list. The link is in the show notes. You can find that link in my Instagram at bchristina in the bio or text me the word coach to 501-222-3362. I'll get your name on the wait list and I will contact you. We will do a discovery call to make sure I am the best fit for you and you are the best fit for me. Like I said, I've been sold out in my one-on-one -on -one practice for quite some time, but I will be taking on a couple new clients in 2023. And if you want to be one of them, I cannot wait to connect. Most of the time, most people who know me and, and most people laugh and they're like, I think I even did this at the retreat you're at. I always mix like a little splash of wine with a big glass of sparkling water because like I can have three glasses of wine, which is really like one mini bottle of Prosecco because I mix it with the sparkling water because I drink liquids so fast. Like I drink a ton of water. I just, I drink liquids really, really quickly. So I always just mix it with something because I never actually want to get drunk. Like that's not the reason right. why I drink it, which is so funny. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I literally always tell people like have a glass of sparkling water and just put a pinch of wine in it or have like a kombucha in a wine glass. It makes you feel like this exact same thing. Like Starbucks is like the number one person on the planet for this because everyone just wants to hold a Starbucks cup. Starbucks coffee is actually quite shitty, but every person, right? But every person just wants to hold a Starbucks cup. So if that's kind of like you weaning yourself off of the alcohol, do a splash of alcohol with like sparkling water or kombucha or whatever it is. But having the glass and having the actual experience of it is probably what most people want anyway. You know, I think if you are, um, if you're interested in taking this step, 
maybe you're not convinced, you're just interested, then I would encourage you to start exploring these communities online and hearing people's experiences. Um, I would love to see people, more people journaling and taking that like reflective time to really talk, to really think through, okay, why do I drink? What was my, what's my, my family of origin? What did I, what did I observe about alcohol growing up that has such a huge impact on what we, on, on the choices we'll make. And it, there's a, there's even still a lingering question and they're uncovering some genetic, um, connection to, to alcoholism. I'm saying alcoholism, alcohol use disorder. Um, but not necessarily in the way you would think. It's not like there's like this gene. And if you have this, now you're an alcohol, you know, you're more prone to have alcohol use disorder. Um, it has more to do with your metabolic pathways and how your body processed the alcohol, how likely you are. It's like Pavlov's theory, right? So like when I have this alcohol, I feel this way. So it feels amazing. So I want to keep doing it. Christina, you clearly do not have that. Um, you know, like I, I do, Nathan probably does. Um, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with anxiety, you know, the, what, what do we do? We go for alcohol. Um, or if we're depressed, ironically, we go for alcohol. Um, even though it, it only exacerbates the situation, there are no, there's not a gray area here to even discuss, you know, it is, it is not, alcohol is not a healthy choice for people who struggle with anxiety or depression. Um, and I really, I really mean that you know, I would say even like at all, you know, if you're going to have a glass a month, a glass or two a month. Okay. But if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, you're probably not only having it once or twice a month. So it's kind of pointless to even have that conversation because that's an exception that almost doesn't exist. Um, unless somebody is just so self-aware and they've already kind of done a lot of this work and thought through it themselves. Um, but if you're just looking in the, in your, the population of a bar and you see people who are having anxiety or depression, those are people who are probably at that bar a lot. Um, so I would say to, to really think about why you drink, what your experiences were, um, observe, you know, growing up, seeing alcohol, um, do the screener that, uh, I, I'm going to send to you so you can put in the show notes. Um, it's super easy. It's 11 questions. And, you know, because sometimes we need to see black or white, like, I don't want to be responsible for deciding, like, is this good for me? You know, sometimes you want somebody to tell us. And the thing about, um, alcoholism or alcohol use disorder is it is a self often a self-diagnosed disorder. You do, it does not require a doctor to give you a, um, a, a note to say that, okay, you have a problem. If you are already questioning whether this is good for you and if it has a positive effect in your life, then you already know. Yeah. You just have to decide. Exactly. Something I want to talk about, because I think that this is like the overlaying fact of a lot of the reason why a lot of people choose or have yet to choose to be sober. Um, And you hit on it like you're from Miami, but you grew up in the South. I now live in the South for the last 20 years in the South. And this is something that Nathan and I noticed basically in the first week of 75 Hard. Our lives revolve around eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. people's lives revolve around eating and drinking. And that's so fucked up to say, but it's so true. And Nathan gets mad at me when I say that. He goes, why is that fucked up to say? It's just the culture. It's just what we do. And so he's not here. So I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that is where a lot of people struggle with this because what are they going to do? If they don't go eat or drink or whatever, like, what are they going to do? It is 100% a social thing. And people think that there's like something wrong with you. Like when we were doing 75 hard, I hate to even say this, but there was someone in his family that tried to encourage him to drink because it was like, so like foreign for him to take this time off. I was like, ah, no, you don't have to just have a drink here. Here's a beer. And I was just like, so floored. But at the same time too, I understand that it's about the other person and it had nothing to do with him, but it makes people uncomfortable. It just plain does. And my girlfriend who I was talking about, she is now drinking again, 
but she did go off for a couple, a couple of years, but it is a hard adjustment. So what would you, and that's the reason why I say confidence is everything, right? For me, it would be no big deal because I could give two shits what anyone thinks, but I also understand that it is a big deal. Like I also understand that if you're not drinking, you're one of the uncool kids. I've always been okay with being the person who goes to bed early and not going to the party. Like that is so me, but for a lot of people, that's not okay. And a lot of people that really stings them. So what would you tell those people whose families that this is everything or friends or whatever? Like, how did you get through that? I have a a few things to say. I'm so glad that you asked that because it's so... It's such a, I think, do you not think this is the most important one? I almost think like it's the most important thing because I do. If if you had the confidence to say like, yeah, I'm just sober right now, whatever. But like, I think this is the main reason why people don't stop because they're going to lose friends. What are people going to think? What are they going to do? They don't want to be like at home. They don't want to like, what if they're single and they want to go out and that's the only way to meet people like all of the things. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay. Let me write that down too. So I have, let's kind of go through those because that's like, I think that's the best question that by the way, I haven't had that question in any of the, in any of the interviews I've done. Um, I think that's the most important question. And and I'm so glad that you brought it up. So I'll be, I'll be sort of like exploring it myself as we talk about it. But um, the first thing you said was, well, one of the things you said was that people um, try to push it on you and you can't, you you, you do have to know what your boundaries are. So the very first thing you have to do, and I, you know, Christina, this is, this is your, this is your rock. And that is to make the decision. The decision has to be made. If you go in and you aren't sure, then you will not, you will not stick to your choice. 100%. Um, you have to know. And, um, you do, I do would say it's important to have somebody um, who you can talk to. They don't have to all also be sober, but somebody who knows that this is important to you and will help you be accountable to it, um, to yourself, not to them. This is something you're doing for yourself or maybe for your family. Um, your friends are projecting. So that's something to know and to know clearly and to know well. So when you see them and they are projecting on you rather than have the the moment of anxiety of, oh, I don't want to, you know, gosh, okay have compassion for them. Know that this is, this is their limiting belief that they don't think they are enough to be in a social situation. They want to, they want to throw you a life raft because, Oh my God, how could you be out here and, and not have alcohol in your system? Um, you know, but have compassion for them. Know that they, they're not there yet. Um, maybe they never will be, but this is your journey. This isn't for them. This is for you. So that'd be the first thing is to have that compassion for the friends who are projecting um, and the family members, which, you know, look, we can't do much about that. This is what you just said. Um, we, we don't make this choice a lot of times out of fear. And often that's rooted in um, our insecurity about whether or not we are a good enough dancer or funny enough or interesting enough or um, confident enough to be in a situation and also that we're going to let people down. So, uh, something that I have, I'm a, I am a fully recovered people pleaser. Um, it took me about three years to really process through, um, my Enneagram two self <laughs> and understand that I can, um, I can be a, a cheerleader without being, uh, be beholden to the decisions other people would have me make for my life. Yes. Um, so understanding really being clear and knowing yourself, know that if, if you have a tendency to be a people pleaser, you have to face that with yourself before you get in these situations, because it, it is not easy. Um, and once you have been, have an option, go in with an option. You have to have something to drink. There has to be something to already be thinking through this. Um, the other one is remember that if you, if you are somebody who, you know, alcohol doesn't agree with you, it makes you feel bad. Um, it makes you make poor decisions. Maybe you have, maybe your inhibitions are lowered and you find yourself, you know, being more flirtatious than you would like to be. Maybe you're, um, maybe you are making choices to drive, Maybe you are eating like crap when you are drinking, which, you know, normally like you wouldn't do that, but that's one of the reasons during the holidays, so many people, 
um, go, we'll call it off the wagon, which I hate that term. That's a for different conversation, but um, because they are drinking. So their inhibitions are lower. So they're not in charge of their own decisions. You are the only person who's responsible for your life. Amen. Nobody else can do it for you. Screaming from the rooftops this time. <laughs> Let's go. Um, there's a sound bite. So the, uh, once you have now me, I haven't been drinking now for a few years and I'd be totally lying if I said I never missed it. Um, there, there are times that I am like, gosh, when I'm wrapping Christmas presents, I love to have like that glass of red wine. It's just cozy. Um, and last Christmas, actually we had some in the house and I put it in my mouth and like swished it around and spit it out. <laughs> no way. That's yeah. So that's, the, that's the only alcohol I've had in my body since in the last four and a half years. And I thought, Hmm, like it was just the taste. So then what I did was I made the decision to get a non-alcoholic wine, which is really doesn't taste as good, but whatever kind of scratched the itch. But I have a really good friend who's, who said, you know, you never really had a problem with it. You know, do you just want to, do you want to have this? You know, it was, um, the one thing I will do occasionally is if we're toasting, I don't completely decline like the first sip of a champagne, like I'll, that's fine. You know, um, for some people that would not be okay. And you should not, you should be very aware that, that you're going to finish that glass of champagne and, and, and accept a second one. So it would be for me, for me, and for many people, if you know, it's not good for you and, and you decide later, you're going to have one. You need to be careful and you need to know yourself. Why? Because it would be like somebody who has a peanut allergy and you haven't had peanuts in a few years. So your friend's like, yeah, you know, it's fine. And by the way, Candace, it's not like you die. If you eat a peanut, you just kind of get like, you start throwing up a little bit. You're cool. It's fine. You know, we, if, if it's not good for you, then we need to be responsible for our choices and not do it now. For people who say, okay, Candace, but I don't, I don't want to be sober. That really isn't a choice I am interested in. I don't identify as having a real problem with alcohol. I would say that I believe and research supports that it's totally possible to live a healthy life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that includes alcohol. Um, I think that it has to be done intentionally. I know that it has to be done intentionally. It has to be done knowing that um, there is a, there's a limit that we all have. Um, if it's not something you struggle with, then enjoy it and support the people around you who you know maybe aren't on that same level as you when it comes to how their body reacts to alcohol. And again, this is not a personality flaw. I don't feel that I'm less of a person because I don't do well when I drink alcohol. I don't think I'm weak. I just believe that that is, that is, that is biologically what alcohol does to our bodies. It, it lowers our inhibitions. It, um, makes us less sharp. It makes, you know, it makes us, um, makes our bodies have to work harder and that doesn't work for my life. Um, and I, because I know that I don't have a great stop button, I channel my energy somewhere else. Now, I want to go back to what you said about the social situations. Yeah. It's a good idea for any of us to really consider who our friend group is. And not only because of alcohol, not only because of alcohol. Um, what I love about something you do, Christina, is that you put together like-minded people in whether it's a retreat situation or a mastermind or I've said this before. I think people can make great, I could find awesome friends just by going to your social media page <laughs> and following people and connecting with people, um, just from just who follow you because they, they know they have this, this thing in common, right? This very positive thing. What happens in our life is maybe you're still friends with people who you went to high school with, you know, maybe you're still friends with people you went to college with, you know, most of us aren't still that same person. Yes. So, but, but when we're with those people, we're in the same habits. So it's always a good idea to, to audit who we really um, give priority and give a voice in our life. And that's not to say that these people need to be removed, but maybe it's time to add people in your life who bring something a little bit more positive to the table. 
um, who are supportive of your goals and doesn't have to just be alcohol. It could be um, that new business you want to start. It could be starting over in a new relationship. It could be moving across the country. Um, There are so many times that we allow ourselves to be limited by the people in our lives who, who they have an opinion, but they should not have a vote. And I think that, that definitely, that definitely applies to alcohol. Look for, for me, I I don't, as it's it's a very simple thing. That's also not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. You know, one thing that I think even myself, if I'm actually like actually thinking about it, and I've actually said this before too, I think alcohol can be a habit more than an addiction. Like I actually think, well, for some people, so some people it's definitely addiction, but I think honestly, it's just a habit. And Nathan will tell you this. He had a habit of coming home and having a drink after a stressful day. That was a habit. Now he like, now he is back drinking and all the things, but during the week, he never drinks anymore. He's created the habit of coming home and putting on his workout clothes and going for a walk because the walk does the exact same thing that the alcohol, well, probably better, obviously, but he's in the habit now of going for a walk to de-stress instead of reaching for alcohol as the de-stressor, even though obviously biologically it both are very different for him. It was the habit of coming home and looking at alcohol as the de-stressor. Now he puts on his workout clothes and goes for a walk and that de-stresses him. So I actually think in a lot of regards, it is a habit, even for myself. Like when I think about before 75 hard, and even now, obviously we've been, we've been off at least a month now, you know, going for, you know, we go to this when we're home, which is not very often, but when we are home, (laughs) um, we, uh, you know, go to the same restaurant on a Friday night when we're home and I have the same spicy margarita every single time. I actually think I just do it because it's a habit because it's what I've done every other time, you Mm -hmm. know, instead of being like, do I actually want this margarita tonight rather than going, I just do it because it's a habit. I order the same thing and do this. Like I'm a, I'm a person of, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. You know, well, that's gosh, Christina, you're just for somebody who claims to not really know much about this, you're, you're (laughs) on point a hundred percent. I'll tell you, you know, so, you know, what I specialize in is neuroscience for wellness and neurons that fire together, wire together, meaning that when you connect experiences in your life, uh, it, it, yes. And those neural pathways become very strong. So, and the more you do it, the stronger, the stronger they become. So, um, there is a lot to be said for, uh, when you're, when you're creating a new habit is it, it's important to, to do two things. One, you want to, uh, put it together with another habit that you already have and you're keeping, and two, you want to um, re- replace you. What you want to replace the habit, so you're not wanting to just take out whatever that is. So if it's um, maybe for you, it's that spicy margarita. We'll say I know that's not a problem, but we'll just for as yeah, I know for for sure. So we say okay, I'm just not going to have it. So instead, you just have the water. Well, you know what? That really isn't very exciting, and that kind of sucks. Like you liked that for a reason. What did you like about it? Was it the kick? Um, you know, what else can you have that maybe doesn't have alcohol and doesn't have like a lot of sugar and, you know, unnecessary calories that would be, that would be something maybe like drinking. Yeah. If they just put soda, water, limes, and jalapeno in the exact same glass, I guarantee my ass wouldn't probably know the difference except for when I get the bill and I'm like, oh, sweet. This is only $3 instead of <laughs> instead of like 30 or how much there. That's right. Exactly. Um, that's so, that's so true. So if for, I guess what I would say is if you're, if you know that what Christina just said is like, is struck a, struck a chord with you and you're like, you know what? It is just what I do. I go, I get home, I pour the wine or I'm cooking. That's another common you know trigger. There was a woman in my mastermind who said that she said she just under, this was years ago. And she said, you know, I definitely don't feel like I have a problem because now I just don't drink, but she's like, Every day after um, my husband and I had dinner, my husband works from home. So he went into the office after dinner and got some work done with his drink. And I poured a glass of wine and sat on the couch and watched whatever I was watching. She's like, it was just, and she's like, all of a sudden I'd finish a bottle of wine every night. And I had no clue that this had just turned into a habit. She's like, 
I just had to understand that this was a habit. It wasn't an addiction to it. It was just a habit. And so she had to replace the habit. That's ex- absolutely right. So replacing the habit and connecting it to something you're already doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh gosh, there's something else I wanted to say just now. Oh, for me, it's not even about the alcohol sometimes because again, I was not a fallout drunk. People were shocked that I stopped drinking. When I say shocked, I mean floored because I, I drank less frequently than most people in my social circle. Um, it's just when I drank, I just would really kind of always drink to get, to get drunk. basically. And, um, which gosh, as a mother, you think about that, like, I don't want my kids to, I did to, you know, see that or know that about you. I mean, so what I realized after I made this choice is confidence is a muscle. The more you exercise that muscle, the stronger it gets. And the, and that applies to every area of your life. So just do make one choice that's hard. And, you know, for somebody, maybe it's waking up early to exercise, but you know what? Do it. Whatever you say you're going to do, do it. So if it's to stop drinking 30 days, a week, one day, whatever, whatever that hard thing is for you, do it. Because once your brain recognizes that you are a person of integrity, that you said, you said, you're going to do something. You did the thing that you said you're going to do. Then the next time you have any challenge, your brain is more likely to say, okay, this is something we're actually going to do because how often do we start something and not follow through? The more you do that, the more likely it is that you will continue doing that because it's a pattern. It's a pattern of belief that you have on whether or not you are capable of following through with your word. Well, can we all know why Candace and I are like best friends? Because the girl speaks the truth. I would scream if I didn't have a frog in my throat. You know what? Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you in case they have some questions. They need some support in that. I know you're just like the most amazing human ever. Obviously, this isn't your job, but it's something that you're super passionate about. Um, I know that you spoke on other um, publications and podcasts and all the things because it's like something you're super passionate about. So tell everyone where they can find you. We will put the alcohol experiment book and the 11 questions in the show notes. And yeah, tell everyone where they can find you, my love. If you just want to hang out with me, my personal Instagram is a little bit of a meandering path through my but life. We'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> it's just my name, Candice Caracart. C-A-N-D-I-C-E-C-A-R-R-I-C-A-R-T-E, not the easiest name. And um, if you're interested in in working with Beth Ann or I on any kind of habit development, um, I'd love to talk to you and just see if there's any way we can help. You can find us at Prescription Wellness on Instagram. And um, that's it. I love you, Christina. I love you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Someone who needs to hear it. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.